nice to be back and see you all. Uh, occasionally I run into somebody from St. Louis and they say, uh, have you been enjoying your retirement? And the answer is yes. <laughs> but I really miss you. And I mean it. I do. And it's great to be here and to see you. I was just listening to the psalm uh, we read and the first verse, Why are the nations in an uproar? Why do people mutter empty threats? I think for the present circumstance, a good opening to the psalm in this country. Uh, today is the last Sunday after Epiphany. And every last Sunday after Epiphany, we read the Gospel of the Transfiguration. So Episcopalians celebrate the Transfiguration twice, on this Sunday and also on the Transfiguration, which is August the 6th. In the Roman Church, they will read this story uh, in the second Sunday in Lent. So each reason for doing that uh, has some merit, but I prefer the, our way because I think it's a good setup for what is ahead beginning on Ash Wednesday. So in my sermon, I want to do a little recapitulation about the Epiphany, brief season of Epiphany, because many of you know I'm very fond of the word recapitulation. <laughs> so I don't get to use it a lot. So I'm going to do a little recapitulating. And I uh, want to say something about the first two readings briefly, and then to focus on the transfiguration story in Matthew, which is my favorite one, and also use it as an opportunity to talk about mountaintop experiences, which is a way of speaking of having some form of dramatic spiritual experience that uh, can and is transformative and uh, may change somebody's life in a direction that is godly and good. Uh, in this mini-season, we have a green season period where we do the green season stuff. We talk about Christian discipleship, its nature, its cost, and the ways and the means. But the focus is on the epiphany, which is the manifestation of God to the world in the person of Jesus Christ. So we understand uh, this discipleship as being somehow influenced by the manifestation and by extension, we ask ourselves the question, how do we make manifest uh, all of the things that we believe to be true? How do we become the transparencies and reflections of God's grace and love that we're called to be? And so this is the season when we do that. So Epiphany begins on Epiphany. There's an Epiphany. And this Sunday, we have two Epiphanies. We have Moses on the mountain, and we have Jesus transfigured uh, before uh, three of the apostles, Peter, James, and John. Moses goes up the mountain, and he stays there in the cloud, and it's a story about bridging the gap between the divine and the human. And somehow we believe that that's a very important thing. You know, Christmas and Epiphany is about God becoming a human being. And when God became a human being, he didn't just do this in some miraculous tableau fashion, 
who gave each one of us tools that we can use that become part of our way of being and relating through the sacramental life, through our baptism, through receiving Holy Communion every Sunday. So Moses is doing that. We hear uh, from the psalm uh, something we're going to hear in the Gospel. You are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Where do you think these biblical writers get this stuff? You know? It's important. Second Peter. Here's what I was taught in seminary by Second Peter. Second Peter is the latest piece of writing in the New Testament. It dates probably near 120, maybe a little earlier than that. So it probably wasn't written by Peter. But, since I was uh, taught in the fever swamps of the biblical critical method, which has now in some ways been diluted by more facts, through the research of how people lived and what they did and how they interacted, there's a fragment in this, in this reading that is probably older than the one that we read today about the transfiguration. So the writer was in possession of a very primitive strand of the recounting of this story. This is one of my favorite stories, the epiphany story. But it also, before I say that, I want to say something else about the season, and that is that uh, during the Green Sundays, we always uh, realize that for us, the church is important. These days we don't talk about that as much for good reasons because many Christians have lapsed into a kind of rock-ribbed sectarianism that is very difficult, particularly in the present circumstances. But what we're talking about here is the importance of the church. I came across a quotation when I was preparing the sermon. The church is the single multi-ethnic family promised by the Creator God to Abraham it was brought into being through Israel's Messiah, Jesus. It was energized by God's Spirit, and it was called to bring the transformative news of God's rescuing justice to the whole creation. And that's our job right now, to do that in big and small ways. Don't bite off too big a piece, but realize that you're important and you count. And you can be an influence for good in this time. So the transfiguration story. Jesus is on the mountain and he is transfigured. Uh, the Greek word for transfigured is metamorphosi. Is that a familiar sort of word you've heard before? You know, chrysalis becoming a butterfly? Now, the interesting thing, by the way, about transfiguration is, is that it's, it happens, and for whom the person it happens to doesn't always recognize it. The chrysalis doesn't know it's going to become a butterfly, right? It, boom, there it is, right? So that means that for you and me, when we have some form of spiritual experience, it often comes to us after, looking back in some way, Father Thomas Keating says that at the Transfiguration, the divine source of his human personality 
poured out through every pore of his body in the form of light. So an Eastern Orthodox Christian would say to you, that is the uncreated light. Well, was uncreated light. Have you ever seen anybody whose face is shown because of them being in good spirits? Or because good things have happened to them? Or they have been stimulated by something that they've heard and changed? In 1973, I was um, a, a candidate to be ordained a priest in the Diocese of California. And I came back from the Shota House to see the diocesan minions and be grilled yet again. And it coincided with something called the Trinity Institute, that Trinity Church Wall Street used to sponsor every year. It was a good, good thing. And they had many renowned speakers, both within our tradition and in the other, uh, other important traditions, both Christian and non-Christian. And this particular time, one of the speakers was Brother Roger Schultz, one of the founders of the Teze community. So he spoke, and there was an intermission, and a friend of mine who was at the conference said, you know, I know Brother Roger, would you like to meet him? And I said, yes. So he said, well, come with me. And we went into a little room like this after tea, and we went in there, and he was in there with somebody else, and I, he turned, and I shook his hand, and his face was absolutely, it shot, he's the first person who reflected that to me. When I read about it, I realized that that's what it was. So we all have seen that. And remember, it happens to each one of us because you've heard me a gazillion times say, the spiritual life is life, body, soul, mind, spirit, given to God in love. So we all have that capacity. So when we think about the transfiguration, we think about the ways and the means uh, that we can be transfigured, and here's what happened on the mountain. Some of the human tendencies. Peter, the great fall guy of the New Testament, says, it's a good thing that we're here. We can build three dwelling places, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. Let's freeze this moment. Have you ever been in anything in your life where you said, I wish this would go on forever? And then the voice comes, the cloud comes, and the voice comes, and they all prostrate themselves from fear. I take this in my own... Uh, uh, Self-regarding fear, anxiety, worry... Uh, not knowing what the outcome is in the midst of circumstances I don't understand. And in this gospel, the only one, Jesus comes over to these apostles and he touches them. And he said, do not be afraid. So I need to remind myself on a daily basis not to be afraid. It's very important because it helps me. My teacher, Urban Holmes, uh, years ago in seminary, wrote a little book called What is Anglicanism? And he talked about the spiritual life and just remarked that there are two different ways that we understand it in, in our tradition. 
but he reminded me of something that made me read a part prepare this sermon of, from William James' book, The Varieties of Religious Experience. And I'm saying this because if you haven't ever felt anything like this grammatically and are worried and nervous because you haven't, here's what he says. Some people have dramatic spiritual experiences that knock, this is a paraphrase obviously, that knock them off their pins. They just have never had an experience like that before and it is transformative. But other people have spiritual experience that he would describe as of the educational variety. So that means slowly by surely, little by slow, we begin to get it. And like the chrysalis, we don't even realize we've become a butterfly until we do a little bit of reflecting. So this week, do some thinking about uh, spiritual experience in your own life. Uh, see how you can be a transparency and reflection of God's grace and love uh, and make a difference. Amen. Amen. Thank you.